New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis with the wonderful Andrea Donsky. And if you listen to Naturally Savvy, hello, or my other show, It's Your Health, you will know that sleep is basically my religion at this point. I am in bed every night between 830 and 9, no matter what. What? Uh, People laugh at me. Yes, because let's say, okay, so my brother lives in Hawaii and I only see him every few years. He'll come to visit. Guess what? I'm still in bed between 830 and 9. I'm like, okay, good night, Mark. I'll see you in the morning. Oh, my God. I don't stay up late for anything. So uh, (laughs) I was very excited. We're going to bring our guest in in a minute and talk all about how to get a wonderful good night's sleep. But first, we're going to talk about our wonderful sponsor this month, Andrea. Take it away. Yes. Thank you. Big thank you to Bigelow Tea for sponsoring our podcast and for sponsoring Naturally Savvy Radio for this month. Without you, we couldn't be doing what we do, spreading the word of health. So if you want to learn more about Bigelow and their amazing tea, you can go to BigelowTea.com. Yeah. And I want to say with summer coming up, you can make their teas iced and they're fantastic. Mm, the flavors yes. just pop. So good. Super, super good. All right. So I'm very excited. We're going to have the wonderful Tevia Gover on the show. Her book is The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep. Discover how to use dream work, meditation, and journaling to sleep deeply and wake up well. Tevia, welcome to Naturally Savvy. Oh, it's so good to be here with you. Thank you. Well, we're super excited. I've had the pleasure of interviewing you in the past, and we always have such a wonderful time, right? I'm going to jump right in your book, Bedtime Story, Talking in My Sleep. You write, I've had a complicated relationship with sleep and dreams from the start. Talk to us a little bit about this. Sure. You know, I was that kid who, you know, I had to have a nightlight on. I had to sleep with the door cracked open. I was scared of the dark. And, um, Looking back, one of the reasons might well have been that I had a lot of scary dreams. I had a lot of um, nightmares. Um, So, you know, I wasn't always somebody who just, you know, went to sleep and had an uncomplicated relationship. I also, um, on the lighter side, I, uh, I talk in my sleep, and I did especially so when I was a child. And when I'd go away to camp, to sleepaway camp, I would get teased an awful lot for that. Oh, yeah. No. It's rough being a kid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is rough being a kid. So when did you have a more peaceful, restful, I should say, relationship with sleep? How did that come about? Because in the book, you give such wonderful suggestions about sleep yeah. and creating a sleep sanctuary and about dreams and getting into your dreams and journaling and meditation and all that great stuff. Yeah. But tell us first, how did you come to this? Sure. I mean, this all has been part of an evolving process in my life. Um mindfulness and yoga and meditation and, you know, doing a deep dive into spirituality and positive thinking, all that came about in early adulthood as I tried to heal from some of the difficulties of my upbringing. Um, I had a dad who was, had a violent temper and Mm. growing up in my house, I developed anxiety and a lot of worry. And then in early adulthood, I had more things happen that made me prone to things like anxiety and depression. So finding mindfulness and positive thinking and developing them as a way of life naturally um, bled over into nighttime and sleep, you know, where we really Mm. need these tools. 
But even more than that, I would say, or in addition to that, my love of dreams, you know, I kind of backed into the sleep stuff. My love and really reverence of dreams and dream time helped me want to cultivate a sacred time for sleep because you can't dream without sleep. And the more I learned about sleep and consciousness, I understood that what we do during the day and especially in the evening really affects how we dream. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about dreams? Like explain what dreams are. I know, you know, I've heard it's our subconscious and, you know, when we're going to bed, I'd love to dig deep into what dreams are and why they even happen in the first place. Yeah. So dreaming is one of the great mysteries of life as is sleep. So interesting that here we are, adult women, very educated and well-informed, and we still don't know exactly what dreams are. And that's Mm. partly because scientists don't even know. Mm -hmm. So historically, you know, for most of human history, they were thought of as messages from the gods. Mm -hmm. And then science started to be able to show us that dreams were, in fact, a form of thinking, a form of consciousness, that they originated in the brainstem from random neuronal firing. And that's where we started to get really confused. Um, So in other words, we would have these random uh, impulses from the brainstem or neuronal firings, and, you know, they would sort of become a dream. You know, they would combine with other forms of thought, and because of what's happening in the sleeping and dreaming brain, they would become highly narrative and visual and so on. So then people went through a phase of saying, well, I'm not going to pay much attention to my dreams because they're just random. And what we're learning more and more is that it's a complicated dance between memory, um, association, biology, neurobiology, and, in fact, consciousness. So um, it's a really intense and big and complicated subject, but maybe the simplest way to think of it is that the dream is a co-creation between um, our dreaming brain and all of our associations, memories, and so on. And that's when we start to come into a conversation about the subconscious. Well, it's so interesting is when I was reading your book, and and I have these recurring dreams, and they're all stressful, which is a drag. They're all about loss. I'm losing things. Um, I keep dreaming that somehow I'm I'm not with my husband and daughter, and I don't have anywhere to live. And I have an aunt, Mm. and she said I can stay with her. But then I'm not sure if I can. And then I'm like, I have no money and everything's gone. And I have this like once a week. It's really annoying. And then I have another dream where I'm back in school, back in college. And I told the school ahead of time, I'm not signed up for the courses. I'm just going to audit them. And then all the teachers give me Fs. And I'm like, but I told you ahead and I have to do all this paperwork. (laughs) And I have these like every week. And it's really upsetting. So there's obviously I'm going through some career changes right now. I'm going through some like a midlife thing, trying to figure out new directions. So I think it's a lot of fear. And so that's why I do think that these dreams mean something. And that's why I love how you talk about journaling and right, you know, because it is important, Absolutely. I think, for me to say, right, it's it's helping me be like, yeah, I am yeah. sad. I am feeling like I don't really think I'm going to lose my husband and daughter. We're all very close. But I do feel this sense of loss, you know, so it's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds like you're looking at it in just the right way. In other words, you're, (laughs) you're, you're focusing in on the emotion, the loss, the fear, the fear and the loss. And that's what the dream really needs you to process. 
And then when you do, when you, that's why, you know, we have the term dream work. When we do a little work right. on these dreams through journaling, through talking, through looking at the images and asking, you know, what they mean to us, and then we start making some changes in our daily life as a result, the dreams will change. And they oh, may see, even that's stop interesting. recurring. I have work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I yeah. know I do. I do. Go ahead, Andrea. Yeah. Well, I just know, I remember when I was, you know, years ago, I used to dream that I would fail exams and I was well out of university and I would fail exams or I used to have recurring dreams that I was naked in public. I remember this was like when I was in my teens. I don't have them anymore, thankfully. And you're saying that, you know, you're having them once a week, Lisa, which is interesting. But, uh, but many of us have recurring dreams that happen, you know, that come over and over again. So I find that, first of all, you're not alone, but Tivia, it's interesting what you're saying about them and it's how we have to look at them and process them. So eventually they will stop, right? Yes, they will transform or they will go away, Mm. one or the other. And that's how you'll know that, you know, you've addressed what the dream is bringing something to you and offering it up. They're offering you an opportunity to look at something, right? So Mm. if you don't listen, they'll have to just keep knocking on the door like, here we are again, (laughs) you know, you might want to look at this. And they'll keep doing that. And sometimes those recurring dreams will even turn into a nightmare if, the situation gets serious enough that your subconscious feels like, okay, you really need to pay attention now. Well, you're a dream uh, therapist, which I'm feeling like I need to see you. So talk to us about, (laughs) is that what people do? They come and they see you and they share their dreams and okay, that's so interesting. That's exactly it. So people come to me and I do a lot of work online um, using video, you know, Zoom and, and FaceTime and all those great tools we have now. And we talk about the dream and we listen and discover the meaning and the message that that dream has. And importantly, we think about what action steps the dreamer can take in their waking life to address what the dream is bringing up. Yeah, I think that's the key, right? And I've been kind of stuck for a while and, and my husband keeps saying, "Hun, you got to go back to therapy. It's been years. I'm like, I know, I know. But then every, then every week goes by and a week and then these dreams. So this is good. I'm at that point and, uh, I definitely been looking for someone who takes my insurance. So <laughs> we'll see what luck I have. <laughs> I, <laughs> there's so much in the book about dreaming, which is wonderful. And like I read it to my 14 year old daughter. She's home with the cold today and she was really happy to, to relax while I, I read her this and she kept interjecting because she has super vivid dreams and she has this she had this nightmare when she was six and she had it like six nights in a row and it still bothers her and so it was interesting to hear her talk about it and after reading this and I thought okay we need to look at what some of those themes are I might have her talk to you as well I want to get into the uh the sleep part of the book because for so many people it is just a big challenge and so you give some great suggestions you have eight for eight talk to us about some of these so, yeah, um, the the thing about sleep these days, we have so, me- so much kind of stacked against us. You know, we have right. the 24-7 culture where we can shop online and we can, um, you know, we have electric lights that keep us up. And mm-hmm. we also have a head full of worries and a head full <laughs> of anxieties. You know, we're racing all day long and then we think we can just turn off our our mind and go to sleep. So the eight for eight that you're talking about are some holistic, really basic steps to take to get a good eight hours sleep. And it doesn't have to be exactly eight. You know, you 
you'll get a sense of what's good for your body, but it's usually around seven or eight hours for most people. And they're really simple things. You know, we make this complicated, but Lisa, I was listening to you say at the beginning of the show that you really make a commitment to get into oh, bed yes. on time. I and do. that's hard for most people to do. Bedtime comes up and they're like, okay, I have one more thing to do, one more email to send, whatever. So, you know, I suggest people back into bedtime. So, you know, we sort of leave bed and sleep for the end of the day. It's not on our to-do list. We don't really schedule for it or plan for it, but we have to. So we have to sort of look at our schedule backwards. Like if I'm going to get into bed at 10, you know, what do I have to be doing at 9 p.m. to make that happen? Which means what do I have to be doing at 8 p.m. to make sure at 9 p.m. I'm ready for that to happen? (laughs) So to look at your day like that and then really make a commitment, you know? And we can use our um, electronics to help us with that. You know, I put a um, reminder on my phone that goes off and tells me, you know, time to wind down, you know. Oh, that's a good idea. And little things like stretching before bed. And that helps us get out of our mind and into our body because, again, our thoughts keep us awake. So I even suggest people give themselves a little foot rub um, just before bed to help bring our attention down, you know, far as far from our head as we can. So a foot rub with some nice rose hand or foot cream or lavender mm. is really nice. So, you know, it's about thinking about all these things, even what we're eating in the evening, not so much because of the old uh, belief that, you know, if you eat pizza before bed, you'll have bad dreams. Yeah. <laughs> but because the food we eat affects our bodies. So if we're eating heavy, fatty foods before bed, our body's got to put a lot of work into digestion, and that makes it harder for us to sleep. So, you know, mm-hmm. the basics, you know, some warm milk and honey, some toast, um, things that are going to soothe our system, easy to digest, and, you know, certain foods actually have, um, you know, calming and sleeping qualities right so i remember reading that i remember reading that we can affect somewhat what we're dreaming is that true so if you go to bed and you put good intentions or you say you know certain mantras before bed that perhaps that can steer us in a direction of let's say positive dreaming yeah that's absolutely true um so um for one thing studies have shown that people who go to sleep grateful sleep and dream better. In other words, you know, dreams of less fear and less anxiety, more positive feelings. Um, So that's one thing to be aware of, and it's a really important thing. But also you can um, encourage your dreams in a certain direction. You can't force them. But if you think about something before bed, um, if you ask your dreams, you know, tonight I want to dream about you know, fill in that blank, maybe write it down in your journal before bed, you have a pretty good chance of getting there. So we can't control our dreams, but we can very much influence them. And um, you can get quite skillful at what we call incubating dreams or asking for a certain dream on a certain topic or to help answer a certain question. Hmm. You know, one of the things you have in the book that I thought was so great is try to remember improving dream recall 
Because what happens is I'll, I, I now, now I've had these dreams so regularly, I remember them. But then when I have other mm-hmm. dreams, I'll just get little yeah. pictures of it or sometime throughout the day, it'll pop. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that person in a while. Oh, my God, that's right. They were mm-hmm. in my dream. But I have trouble and I want to remember more. And so you have some great advice on how to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the most basic way to re- remember our dreams, which, you know, addresses one of the reasons we don't. So one of the reasons we don't remember our dreams is we don't value them. We think they're meaningless or just disturbing or weird. So why bother? (laughs) So the first step is to um, affirm your, your desire to remember your dreams and to take an interest in them. And that goes a long way. And one way to do that, a nice concrete step to take is keep a pen and paper, a journal, a notebook, whatever, by your bed. And before bed, write down your intention to remember your dreams. And then if you wake up to use the bathroom in the night, reaffirm that intention just gently to yourself with, you know, positive statement. Tonight, I'll remember my dreams. And then the step people often forget is in the morning, write something in that journal. Just start writing. You know, last night I dreamed And even if you can't remember anything, just starting that process, putting the pen to paper and starting to think about what you might have dreamed is going to help spark recall. So try that for a week at least. And uh, for most people, that will get the dreams flowing. Now, what advice do you have for parents? Because I think that what happens a lot of times is if your kid has a bad dream, the parent says, oh, that's just a bad dream. But that doesn't really right. help the kid figure out their feelings. So it sounds to no, me, I feel like you have question. to say, right, you know, so talk to us a little bit about that, because that I find that dismissive. And I'm not putting parents down. It's a tough thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because sure. you don't want them to get too invested, yeah. but there actually must, it sounds like there's something to look at there. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. That's just right. Um, the question, the, the issue is, as, from the child's point of view, they just had an experience. So instead of it's just a dream, a nice thing to say is you're safe now. You know, you're safe here with me now or you're safe here in bed now. And then to ask the child, you know, what they dreamed and listen to their feelings and assure them that they're okay. Depending on the child's age, there are a lot of ways to talk to them about it. Um, So if they had a dream that was really scary, you might ask them what they would like to have with them to you know, uh, keep themselves safe from whatever it is that monster say, you know, whether it's a stuffed animal or a superpower, because we're in the realm of imagination with dreams. And it can be really empowering for a kid to think about what could keep them safe and they can imagine whatever that might be. Oh, I like that. That They can even draw a picture, you know, if it's still bothering them in the daytime, they can draw a picture of the dream and then they can draw a picture of themselves with whatever you know, superpower they need to safely face Mm -hmm. that, that danger, that dream danger. Oh, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. You know, when you're looking at getting back to the, you know, getting a good night's sleep, you talk about lullaby. And I love this because it's not just for, you know, babies, right? It's nice. It could be good for us to have a little bit of sleep music. What, What kind of sleep music do you find usually helps adults from the ones that you've worked with? Yeah, well, in general, you know, when it comes to anything bedtime, whether it's music or what should you read before bed or watch on TV, you know, boring or predictable is good, you know, in the hour before (laughs) bed. So 
some soothing music, just what you would think, calm, soothing music that's going to put you in a nice, relaxed state of mind, you know, happy music, um, nostalgic music, you know, something you're familiar with, something that's not very challenging, but it's very comforting. That's what we're looking for. My girlfriend was here on the weekend and her daughter's 10. Um, she was sleeping with my daughter in her room and she turned on, she went to YouTube and she picked up a meditation, like a, a nice, soothing, right. calming meditation music. And I thought that was so cool. I'm like, that is really interesting. And I, I would not, funny enough, I would never have even thought of that. And my daughter loved it. So it just oh, soothed yeah. them, helped them fall asleep quicker. So I thought that was really great strategy for kids. And oh, I love you know, hearing that such young people are doing that. That's wonderful. And of course, they would think of that because they're more used to thinking of, um, you know, YouTube and what they can find online to help them with things. And there are great yeah. sleep meditations out there. Um, you know, I have a, a meditation app that I use that, you know, you can um, search it for uh, sleep meditation. Some of my favorite are the Yoga Nidra. That's the yogic sleep mm. um, meditation. And Nidra, for people listening, is N-I-D-R-A. Um, but these are oh, great cool. meditations to help you get sleepy and dreamy. And the only trick oh, is, nice. you know, it's, it's problematic to have the phone in the bedroom and that's where most people keep you know or access those kinds of right uh, yeah recordings so that's tricky um and you know there are a few ways to work with that um you know one of the things i do is i use an old phone an old cell phone that's no longer connected Mm -hmm. to the internet Mm -hmm. and i upload onto it you know a few of my favorites Mm -hmm. so that's what my daughter Oh, my, see, I think one of the reasons I should mention that sleep is so important to me is my daughter didn't sleep through the night till she was six because she's on the autism spectrum and has ADHD. So sleep was always, well, it was horrible for her. I had to be so strict with her schedule that now she, you know, Mm -hmm. she finally, she's 14, now she sleeps. But we started using meditations when she was like two and we did them together Mm -hmm. literally until last year. And then finally she said, you know, mom, I don't, I think I'm okay now. And I just, wow. you know, itch her back for a few minutes. I mean, but it used to be like hours of itching and rubbing. <laughs> just, it was just endless. Yeah. But so, yeah. So I think when you when you have a it's someone in your life who does, you know, a child who doesn't sleep very well and you black, you miss sleep for a long time. Once you get it, I'm like, I'm never going back because those days were very mm. difficult. And I, I don't think people realize just how important health-wise sleep is. You know, I feel like people talk about nutrition and exercise, which obviously is incredibly important, but sleep is right up there. Oh, right. It, is a, it, it makes is a huge right difference in your there. health. Yep. It, it does. It affects all the big things that cause us worry and anxiety. Uh, you know, Definitely. it affects, you know, our heart health. It affects our cognitive health. It affects even, even weight gain. Um, obesity, um, anxiety, depression, all of these things can be positively impacted by a good night's sleep and negatively, you know, by skimping on sleep. What's interesting interesting now is... Yeah, well, what I was going to say, what, what they're saying now is that we have, you know, our lymphatic system, but we also have a glymphatic system and our glymphatic system gets cleaned out. Yeah. Which is our, to our brain when we're sleeping. So that's another yeah. reason sleep is so important. It's yeah, so it is huge. It really is. Well, and you, well, that's why oh, this book. Oh, go ahead, Sylvia. No, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say, that's why I love to talk about sleep and dreams, because for one thing, we're getting the message right now how important it is. And we know, research has shown us that a holistic, mindful approach, like the one that I advocate in the mindful way to a good night's sleep, is more effective than medication, which is what people usually turn to. We want a quick fix. But the whole sort of premise of my book and my approach is that we're not looking at the underlying factors that are keeping us awake. And one of them is literally a simple discomfort of sleep and nighttime darkness, stillness. You know, you look at our culture and all the ways we avoid being in the dark, right? Even our bedrooms are lit up with, you know, different lights (laughs) and um, outside, you know, it's all lit up. We can barely see the stars anymore. And stillness, you know, we're always grabbing for our phones. We're always grabbing for something to entertain us. So we really need to start there. um, And that will help us follow these simple routines and this holistic approach so that we're not afraid of our dreams, but we're actually inviting them, we're welcoming them, and we're welcoming sleep as sort of this, this root in, you know, we have our sleep routine, it's a root in to this really rich experience. Um, that we get to with sleep, and they can become an inspiration for getting a good night's sleep. Well, you're an inspiration. Tevia Gover, the book is A Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep. Discover how to use dream work, meditation, and journaling to sleep, to sleep, <laughs> to sleep deeply and wake up well. Tevia, tell us all the ways we can find you and your fantastic book and your other book as well, which I absolutely love, The Joy in Every Moment. Yeah, and they go together very well also. It's sort yes, of the they night do. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, um my name is my website siviagover.com uh, and that's T Z I V as in Victor I A Gover G O V E R or people can find me through the Institute for Dream Studies where I teach classes and workshops on sleep and dreams. So just the Institute for Dream Studies uh, .org will get you there. And my book, The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep, is available um, in your local independent booksellers and online and all the usual places to find uh, great books. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. And for everyone who's listening and you love this podcast, please write a review for our podcast. That will help us a lot. Please share the podcast with your friends and family. And if you haven't subscribed yet, but you're still listening, please hit that subscribe button because we really would love you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode ever. I'm Andrea Donsky along with Lisa Davis, and you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. Like us on all social media at Naturally Savvy, at Andrea Donsky, at Health Media Gal 1, and at Radio MD. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well.